Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. I don't know if you remember him. He's been gone for less than a year, but Father Matt Jordan, when he was here, neither, nearly every homily, he'd point to the crucifix. And it's, it's important because the church actually asks when, church, when buildings for churches are designed that there be a crucifix prominently displayed at all times. In particularly, a crucifix. Not just a cross, but a crucifix. And it's because it's the, it's the central revelation of God. It reveals who God is. And it's important that we who are on our journey towards the fullness of God, hopefully, that we check in once in a while, what is the image or face of God that we're relating to, praying to, thinking of? Because oftentimes we get the crucifixion interpreted the wrong way, and then our notion of God becomes, if you will, crumpled, and then our willingness to trust, love, listen, surrender, gets all the more difficult. And so when you look at a crucifix, what is the message to your heart? Not what did some nun 25, 30 years ago or some religious teacher tell you, but for you, what happens for you when you look at a crucifix? My experience has been in my own journey and journeying with others is that Oftentimes, it's a combination of hard work, suffering, sacrifice. All of that seems to get the accent mark or seems to be the message. Somehow, suffering, sacrifice, a bloody mess. See, you need to be better because that's what God did for you. It's kind of the unspoken message. But that's not really what the church or the saints have really spoken about. The crucifix in one religious order's community is called the beautiful place. It's the show and stop movement, in case you want to remember that all mass. But it's called the beautiful place. It's the most beautiful image in the whole world because it's the revelation of a God who loves you so much that he says, I will die loving you. I will love you so much, I will not even stop when it costs me my life. That's the love I have for you. It's a revelation of a God who's saying, on the cross, I'm thinking of you. And because he's thinking of us and loving of us, we're freed to where we don't have to worry about ourselves anymore. He really is loving you. He really is thinking about you. It's because of this revelation, this grandiose gesture, that we can call this the beautiful place. Because every man, woman, and child in here has spent their life working to answer the question, am I good? At the end of the day, am I enough? And then it's maddening to our egos to find out God is answering that question gratuitously, freely, saying, even if you didn't work so hard, I've been busy loving you. 
even to the point of it killing me. And I don't mind doing it because you're worth it to me. For us Americans, especially in the West, whole Western world, but in America where the worst thing you can be is lazy, as if somehow that is the biggest indictment. Wouldn't it be surprising to all of us to find out what if the worst thing for each of us was being addicted to work? What if the most horrendous thing that's keeping us from receiving the outpouring love of God is that we think we can earn it? We think if we say perfect prayers or work hard enough or would just volunteer more or if only I had more time for holy things, then I wouldn't feel this way about myself. I wouldn't feel so inadequate. I could prove to God, I look, I'm good. Look at all the things I've done. And then there's the stubborn crucifix looking at you. I love you. Even while you're actively trying to kill me, reject me, resist me, I'm not going anywhere. I really spend my life for you, thinking of you. This is super important for us because this understanding of God, of a God who really loves you, that's actually reality. What Jesus came to show us was what we've all been told is real is a delusion. God's love for you is real, and we know the people who believe in it and welcome it. We know those who allow themselves to be loved and touched, who allow Jesus so close that they actually become a revelation of this to others. They're moral. They're sacrificial, they're forgiving, they're prayerful. They frequent the sacraments because they say, this is the beautiful place where that revelation touches me. They look Catholic, if I can be so bold as a Catholic priest to say so. They allow this love, this to get super close, so much so that it affects what they do on the weekends, what they're doing on the internet, what they buy and don't buy, what they wear and don't wear, who they speak to and who they don't speak to, how they live every aspect of their life, because they want this love to be shared through them to everyone, because it's so astonishingly beautiful. When this is God in your heart, when this is really who he is, words like submit, obey, trust, surrender are sweet. Who am I obeying? The one who thinks I'm worthy of dying for. Who am I surrendering to? The one who's really thinking about me and caring about me. Who am I submitting and obeying? the one who wants to love me to death. Reality is that we are invited to be like children. See, children have a great example of this in their homes. And those of you who have had kids or grandkids around or those of you who are kids, you get this. You're not worried on a Saturday afternoon while you're playing, will we meet the mortgage today? When you're as a kid, you're playing because you're like, of course there's going to be food. All I have to do is ask for a snack. Because you're being loved, you're sacrificed for, you're thought of, your needs are met, so you're freed up to enjoy. 
as we get older, we forget to be children of God. And so we're constantly riddled with anxiety as if it's up to us to produce, provide, and accomplish everything. This does not mean you can lay on the couch and all will be fine. Because the Father wants to share the joy of cultivating a life with you. He wants to help you feel the joys of development and growth that I really had a part to play. It's one of the great joys. But it's not of an orphan. It's of a son and daughter. I say this because in the gospel today, Jesus gives us a parable to show us that those who don't know God loves them. It's not that they don't believe in God. It's that the kind of God they believe in is a God of power and blind authority. Jesus is saying, listen, there's a landowner. He plants the vineyard. So, okay, this landowner, he owns the land, he plants a vineyard, he builds a hedge around it, he digs a wine press and builds a tower. I.e., this landowner's the father. He's taken care of everything. And then he goes out and gets tenants and says, I want to share what I have created with you. And I want you to know the joys of tilling the land and seeing the growth. I'm providing it all. Look how good God is. He wants to give you all these things so that you have a place to grow and cultivate. And then Jesus goes on and says, he sends his servants to say, let's see what you've produced. Let's see what's come of it. And they can only conceive of someone coming as a threat because they only know of power dynamics. Who's in charge? Who's got control? Who's above me? Who's below me? I want to be the top one. Whether you're a 12-year-old playing king of the hill or you're working up the corporate ladder, we who are in a fallen world think power will make us safe. We who are in a fallen world think being in control will finally at last help me to have peace. And it's the lie from the very beginning. Originally, we knew this. Adam and Eve lived in paradise knowing God was a father and that they could submit. And when they submitted and obeyed and received from God, he didn't suppress them under his thumb saying, I'm in charge and you're a little worker for me. No, he shared his own life with them. But then the enemy said, that's not who he is. He's holding out on you. In fact, the exact lie of the devil is he doesn't want you to eat that tree because he knows you're going to become like him. And they begin to say, well, wait a minute. He's holding out. And they begin to live on their own terms with their own judgments, trusting their own control. God's against us. It's a power struggle. That's the lie. Jesus comes as the truth to say, I know why we're all so worried. I know why we're so anxious. Because in our hearts is the fear that what if this crucifix is not real? What if he doesn't love me like that? This is the only question that needs answered in our lifetime. Does he actually love me like that? If he doesn't, I'm on my own. If he does, I can take a deep breath because he wants to give me everything. At every Mass, we're taken up into not the paint and plastic and wood that's on that crucifix, but in the real 
presenting of it under sacramental signs of the Eucharist. And he says, give me your suffering. Bring your sacrifices. Bring your hardships to me because I'm loving you right there. And I'm going to draw you in to my life and love so that you won't feel so alone. You won't feel unseen. But rather, unlike everyone else in the world, you'll be able to say, I am loved. I know the most beautiful thing in the whole world. And it looks like a bloody mess. But it's because that bloody mess is telling me I'm thought of and loved. So I'm free. I don't have to worry about myself. I'm now free to be like him, to love others with that same generosity. That's the good news of the gospel. That that up there is real. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.